for great ideas and practical tools you can start using tomorrow to grow your business and separate you from the competition, you've come to the right place. If you're into B2B marketing and sales, then welcome to the one and only B2B marketing and sales podcast. With over 60 and counting total years in the trenches of businesses small and large, they have a plethora of knowledge and experience that generate you more leads, capture more clients, ring up more sales. Well, doggone it, just make you more money. How about that? Always thought-provoking, yet dubiously entertaining. Please welcome to their respective microphones across three time zones, your co-ringmasters, the Dave Loomis, and not the rock star, Steve Miller. Hey everybody, Steve Miller. The, I am not the Steve Miller. I am one, I am not the rock star, Steve Miller. Actually, one of many, many, many Steve Millers. However... I am joined by the Dave Loomis. And I got to tell you, for those of you that are not, for those of you that are listening on the podcast, you're missing the sartorial splendor that my partner is, is bringing to the stage today. Because, uh, And those of you that are not, you know, you should watch us on the video occasionally, because uh, one thing that we have in common, uh, Dave and I have in common, right, Dave, is that, is that we are both, our, our brand color is orange. That is true, and today I am uh, sporting a an orange tie with uh, colored polka dots and uh, and and a blue jacket, uh, and, and, and I'm looking pretty sharp. I must sartorial say. splendor. I don't even yes. remember the last time I wore a tie, you know. So because uh, um, I stopped wearing ties years ago. So uh, yeah, I just did it. I did it for for you, yeah. Steve, and the audience, and just to mix things up a little bit. Yeah. I'm. I'm cycling through all my orange things. And so <laughs> this was just another orange thing. Yeah, this, you know, I've, got, I know I've got another orange, you know, sweater on right to, right now. The so. orange socks are going to be tough to display. I've got, yeah, I've got some really cool orange socks, but yeah. you know, we'll have to, we'll have to, mm. to, to do that. We'll get into the orange socks. I, and, and I understand this is TMI, but I actually also have orange underwear. So, uh, okay. I do not. And uh, that is, yeah, to TMI. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Good to know. Good to know. The only one who knows that. But no, yeah. no. I mean, now everybody knows it. I mean, she's. Well, a, right. Exactly. But but we are talking today about, uh, you know, welcome to the B2B marketing and sales podcast um, between us. Right. We are we you know, we we have and leading into today's conversation, we have had a. A lot of years in market in business right which means that we've been in you know marketing and sales and in all kinds all kinds of stuff and we decided that today we were going to talk about um epic failures on our part what we have done to be failure a failure and i am willing to bet that my failure is bigger than yours but um but we're gonna let you talk you you talk first the dave loomis you know, tell us your, no, you, I already told the name. Sign in, please. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Uh, and how many epic failures? Uh, we all have them uh, throughout our career. And I was thinking back and for some reason, 
something probably my very well oh wow that's interesting i just thought of a I, so <laughs> thought of another one <laughs> well i had a lemonade stand when i was really really young I, we're probably like you're talking like eight years old or something mm-hmm. like that right and i misspelled the word lemonade Ooh. except i when i learned that i misspelled it i sort of turned it around and i said look this is this may be a misspelling, but but this is this this makes sense because I spelled it lemon l e m o n and instead of a d e I spelled it a i d mm-hmm. and it's lemon aid it's an aid for your thirst lemon aid and I just didn't understand why is it not called that to begin with you know nice spin, that way. Nice spin. right right it it was good spin that was early spin early recover from a failure. Then fast forward all the way to high school. I was into marketing. Uh, I was painting houses for the college painters, even though I wasn't in college yet. Uh, And I was trying to drum up business because they paid us to generate leads. So if we generated a lead that they would go out and quote this company, College Painters, they would give us, I don't know what it was, 10 bucks or something like that. And I, I wanted a lot of leads. Mm-hmm. So I had a very clever idea. And I, my idea was to create a flyer that, that I could distribute. And then I was going to go around the neighborhood and look for all the houses that desperately needed painting. Desperately. They looked crummy, passed by all the good looking houses. Right. And then I would see one where even from the street, the paint is falling off the house and it needs a lot of work. (laughs) That's where I would drop the flyer off. And the headline on the flyer was, your house looks like crap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was get a free quote for painting. You need a paint job. (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> this this being the the uh, show about epic failures. Guess how many leads I got from that process? Wow, a hundred? <laughs> nothing, nothing. Nothing. Oh, I was way off. <laughs> no, not one. I didn't not, get one not, not lead. One. And when I look back on it, I think to myself, "Well, okay, people that." haven't painted their house in a really long time and it looks horrible even from the street they just don't care there must be there they either don't care or there's a financial reason or there's some other reason that even a free quote they're not interested because it's going to cost a few thousand dollars to paint your house so right. forget it yeah they are we don't care. care yeah we don't care i should have just either distributed them literally to everyone or Conversely, I could have just gone to the houses that look great and say, hey, to keep your house looking great, get a free quote, because right. those are the people that invest in repainting their house. Right. right. So and, my, my target marketing was off. Well, you know, and, and that's, that's, a, that's a really important point about target marketing is, and I, I often say that the, the, the phrase, find a need and fill it, is bogus. And the reason why I say that is because... We think everybody needs us anyway. 
uh, and and we might look at houses and say they need to be painted. So we think that they need us, right? We and we have found a need, but they didn't agree that they have a need, right? If, if, <laughs> if right. If right. they agree, if they agree that they have a need, they would have they would have responded. Exactly. And also, I probably subtly, as they say these days, low key insulted them in the process. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So that was that's that's my first example. That's my first. Do you want to trade off? Do you have one? Well, mine is so big. Mine is so I'm, I'm only going to share one because it was, okay. it was so big. You know, okay. and and, uh, and and damaging to my ego. That oh uh, wow okay. That, uh, I'll 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 wait. Okay, well I have one other, which is uh, interesting because flash forward mm, thirty years after that, and I'm still doing lead gen. And <laughs> did you get out of high school? I did. I, I, okay, I that's, graduated. That's yeah, you have progressed I, up. Yes, I did. I did. And uh, I was. It wasn't college painters anymore. It was a college public relations uh, firm. No, it wasn't. It was called. Uh, it was a public relations firm in uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. And I was the chief marketing officer there. And I hired a wonderful, wonderful person who did outbound lead gen calling and email. And I'm still. I, I still work with this person. Uh, she is incredible and has a real gift for uh, helping contact people, get a hold of someone, be assertive, yet disarming and friendly and talks them into setting up meetings. And mm-hmm. I knew this and, and she had great success in the past. So I hired her to uh, do some of this work for us and provided her with lists and got all this stuff loaded into HubSpot and all this sort of thing. And she pursued these lists. It was for, for, as I recall, we were offering, you know, marketing communications assessment or something like that, but just have a, have a call with us, have a meeting with us. I barely got any leads from it. Spent, you know, thousands of dollars over a couple months, almost nothing. And I discovered that in that case, we needed a real offer. So in the college painter days, <laughs> we were offering a free, uh, free, asset, free um, quote, which these days isn't that big a deal. Everybody has that. Yeah. And it, th- when, I, when she and I, this, this lead gen person, implemented a new approach, which was to create a real offer of value to the person we were talking to, we almost, we, we, we got so many acceptances and it, it, we, we almost had to turn people away. It was so popular what we did. Sweet. And, and so we figured out a way to turn that one around, but the first pass was just dismal. These things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's also why uh, I, I tell people, look, marketing is not a science. It's a it's science and art. And actually, marketing is testing. You know, you got to test. And, and, you know, if you, if, some, if you put something out and 
it doesn't really work that well. Well, instead of just throwing it away, you know, tweak it a little bit. Exactly, exactly. And we can do that now so much more because we can monitor things that we're doing and in real time, and then we can pivot or pirouette, as you like to say. Pirouette, pirouette, please. Thank you. And I think I might have told this story, but I I can't remember. My wife had a retail store and I learned a lot about marketing from her because we're doing all these intense analyses with my giant holding company job that I had. And I was trying to uh, give her some of my wisdom. And then I said, well, so, so how do you decide what to even carry in your store? And her answer was, well, I buy a little bit of something and if it sells a lot, I reorder it and, and, and more and keep selling it. And if it doesn't sell, I sell out of it and then I don't reorder it anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a great idea. That's a really good approach. Maybe I should try that with the Maybe, big company yeah. that I work with, which, so it's testing. It's, t- it's test marketing. is testing. Testing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, okay. I will now share mine, uh, which, which is really, it, it, it's, it's more about marketing uh, or understanding your market uh, okay. and knowing your market really, really well, which I, I insist today is very, very important is that, you know, uh, you know, we call it hunting moose in my, uh, in in our parlance, and uh, uh, that if you are hunting moose in the forest, you need to you know then that's who you're late you're laser beaming hunting moose. But you need to know the moose, and you need to know what the moose wants. You know, be, and and that's what and then you offer it to them, right? Uh, and back when I was in the toy industry. Uh, uh, many years ago. And I was working for a company called Shinsei Corporation. And I was a very young uh, vice president of sales and marketing, international vice president of sales and marketing for, for this company. So I was in charge of worldwide and stuff. And, and part, of, part of it was also developing products. Now, good marketers, like I just said, you know, you understand who your market is, and then you go find out what the market likes, what they want, and then you try to figure out a way to deliver that to them. And um, uh, and I came, but uh, I did not do that. I I decided, and and Shinsei, we built radio. We were the largest radio control toy manufacturer in the world, uh, not the big expensive ones. Uh, these were these were still pretty good quality. Uh, not the super cheap ones or anything like that, but they were kind of the in-between where the price price points were below $100. Uh, so not, not overly expensive. So um, instead of really going out and st- studying the market and thinking, okay, what does the market want? You know, you know young, young kids, right? Primarily boys. Uh, what would they want? Well, I decided I knew what they wanted. And I came up with the concept of doing a model of, at that time, it was it was the Honda ATC, which was a three wheel off road vehicle, right? And uh, and we got a con- you know got a license from Honda to to build this product. Went out, you know, invested the money in, in production or, or you know to do prototypes stuff like that. And and I insisted that I knew what I was doing. And I it, it uh, sounds pretty so far. It sounds pretty cool. I think I would like one. It sold like crazy. In fact, uh, the the year that we came out with it, it was the year of the Cabbage Patch dolls, 
and uh, Cabbage Patch was the biggest girls toy and our Honda radio control toy was pretty close to the top boys toy of, of the year. Now, here's the, here's the issue. And here's, here's when I say like, it's, it's understanding your market. It's market research, really understanding your market. Doesn't sound like a failure so far. No, that, because it put me on the front of like toy, you know, toy world magazine. I don't even remember what the, what the magazines were, you know, young wonder can and stuff. And so of course I started believing my own press releases that I knew what the market needed. And so instead of expand, you know, instead of going back out and saying, okay, kids, what do you, what's next? All right. What do you love about this, this toy? What do you love about RCs? What do you, what do you love about, about that? Instead of doing that? No, I thought, okay, I know better. And so, uh, um, so I helped to develop a radio controlled ball, a round ball, round ball. Okay. Mm, so far, this is not, 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 it doesn't sound quite as exciting to me. <laughs> I, <laughs> that, that is a, uh, that is a bit of an understatement as far as what the market thought, because uh, you know, I, I decide, you know, I go back out and I'm going, hey, look, hey, all of you that bought, you know, the the, the replica Honda, you're going to love this ball because this ball is good. You know, people will wonder, how is this ball, you know, just rolling around in the street and stuff like that? Now, the Honda was an off-road vehicle, so it went everywhere and it could go through water and everything like that. Well, my 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 ball uh, uh, could only be done on like a flat surface and, and all that stuff, but it, it, and, but I'm marketing it to the same audience who I'm absolutely convinced. And I get Toys R Us to support me big time in this. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, and we, we, you know, we ran TV ads. They, they just rolled off the shelves and out the door, right? That, you're now you're being cruel. <laughs> <laughs> Because, no, I'm not. because I'm not. I, I sense some sensitivity, they, so I apologize. I they do, I they do apologize. sat they sat stationary on the on the shelves of Toys R Us and every, every everywhere else, and you know, and ultimately, you know, talking to the kids, you know, afterwards and saying, "Why didn't you guys like?" And they're they're like going, "Well, it's not that much fun. It's not as much fun as that that other one was." You know, right, and, right. and it was it was like it was like this just. It, I mean, it, I go from from this wonderkin guy who thinks he knows everything to this crushing defeat of of coming up with this toy that I mean, it just sucked. It was just it was it was an interesting thing to see. I I loved it in the beginning. I felt I, you know I believed my own press releases. You know, I thought I was smarter than that. I, I didn't need to know my market. That was to see that that was the big thing. And of yeah. course, you know, I, I mean, I took away the lesson of <laughs> hmm, got to know Did your you market. Did you stay in the toy industry after that? Did you have a not third? For long, not for long. Not for long. And it wasn't it wasn't because it wasn't because of the, it, it was it was I I just I was crushed. I was I just thought, you know, what I, I've, I've gone from the peak, you know, to to the valley. And, um, and I just wanted to get, and I just had to get out of there. So, yeah, so I, did, yeah. I did, but it was, a, mm -hmm. I mean, the lesson that I learned helped me to become such a smart marker as I progressed. Yeah. 
but I, I still look back at that, at that episode in, in my life as just being a crushing defeat. And yeah. Just, just yeah. totally humiliated. Well, here's an interesting thing. I mean, and, and you can read so many authors that come up with different ways of saying basically the same thing. And that's, that's the following that we learn so much more from our failures than we do from our successes. And there isn't anyone who's successful that hasn't failed many times. And if you're in private equity or any uh, venture capital or any of those things, they actually don't like talking to people who haven't failed. They want people who have failed. And they, they want to know your failure story or stories because they know you're not going to make those mistakes again, or they hope they're not, you're not. And they want to see people who can be very, very efficient the next time. But they don't want somebody who's just green and who thinks they're you know going to be killing it because they've had so much success because they just know that's not going to happen all the time. And so there's phrases like fail fast, fail often, fail fast in, in those worlds. Fail uh, forward. And, you know. and there's also um, the law of large numbers in, in math, but also in, say, sales, where you know that you have to have 100 leads to, to get 10 good leads to get one at bat, you know, that you, right. that you sell. So there's, there's right. math involved. So you right. actually are in... Uh, increasing your your uh, universe in order to fail more, so that you can succeed. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's that's exactly right. And and you know we you can look at all kinds of different uh, uh, markets, occupations, things like that. You could you could look at baseball players, batters. You know that if they they fail seven out of ten times, and and yet they get paid multi millions of dollars. Uh, to to do that. Kay will tell you that in sales, of course, we know that in sales, you are going to fail a lot in sales. Now, you don't want to have the, ep the epic failure like I did, you know, which cost, <laughs> cost my company just a ton of money. But, uh, but it was an ego situation, right? Is that you want to make sure that you, you are open to uh, learning from your mistakes. Uh, like you said, fail fast, Fail, you know, fail forward or whatever, you know, that that type of stuff. Learn as 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 quickly as you can, adjust, and move on. Right. But, the best, but but so then we go back to the you know when we said about the idea of, of testing. Uh, that's what testing helps us do. You know, test, you know, if we and especially in marketing and uh, um, with one of the beautiful things about digital marketing is that you can do testing very quickly, find out, you know, get, get, find out uh, if you're doing a campaign, for example, doing, you know, a, a, a broadcast or something and it doesn't work, or even if it does work, you still are going to want to test against it. Right. Abs and, ab absolutely. Absolutely. Or there's AB testing or ABC testing. Yeah. If you have a, yeah. an indirect mail, you've got a control. So whatever performs the most becomes your new control. And then you test against that and then yeah. something wins and beats it. And that becomes the new control. Yeah. And the old control is now a failure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I do a lot of work in product management and in product management, you, you, you test things first. Yep. Sometimes tooling can be incredibly expensive. 
And so you make a you make a um, a prototype of something, and then you test it, and then you tool afterwards to see if you know if it's if it's successful. Yeah, and uh, and I know that, and I'm going to just go take a little bit of a pirouette off that comment uh, before we have to cut ourselves off. Um, but now in manufacturing, now they're able to do what they call digital twins, where they're able to create products via you know digitally test test that against what what's out there right now and they can find out with whether the digital twin you know is is will fail or if it will succeed before they actually go into the idea of of actually building prototypes uh and uh and go into that and it saves yeah. a lot of money saves a lot yep. of money a lot of yep. time. testing i think we've i think we've got a theme for our failure that's right <laughs> episode make sure you're testing so take us out of here, brother. Thank you for joining us on this successful episode <laughs> of the B2B Marketing and Sales Podcast with myself, the Dave Loomis, and not the rock star, Steve Miller, and my dog, Daisy. Yeah, <laughs> Daisy's been great. Oh. Daisy's been offering suggestions throughout this whole She episode. has. She has. She really wanted to be part of this. Awesome. There we go. All right. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Yep. Take it easy. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of the one and only B2B Marketing and Sales Podcast, the source for B2B Marketing and Sales Insights. If you enjoyed the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave these old guys a five-star rating. Check the show notes for any links and contact information. You can always contact us by going to B2BMarketingSalesPodcast.com. Thank you and keep on marketing. Keep on selling.